This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm going to talk to you tonight about choices. Did you know that your life that you're living right now is the result of the choices that you've made? And the choices that we make determine whether we live fulfilled, happy lives or whether we're in bondage. And so it's very important that we know how to make good choices. And the Word of God is filled with information about how you can make good choices. I know some of you may get tired of us saying, you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. But you need to read the Bible. And that's why we nag. My mother used to nag me about things. But when I grew up, I was so glad she nagged me because I created habits that were good. And so that's, that's what we're trying to get you to do. You know, the, the Bible talks a lot about the mind and, uh, and about uh, all of your choices come from your mind and your emotion. I don't know if you know that, but you, you have an idea, something passes through your mind, you have an emotion from that, and it causes a reaction, which is a choice. And the Bible has a lot to tell us about our minds. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how you form a choice, how you make choices, and how you can make good choices tonight. You know... Everybody has problems at times making good choices. We even sang a song tonight about making choices and, and about how we need, to, we need to make good choices because if we don't make good choices, we'll find ourselves in a mess. I've found myself in messes before. But you know, even in the Bible, we find that some of the greatest writers of the Bible had problems with choices. Paul had problems with choices. If you look in Romans chapter 7, Actually, that whole chapter is wonderful, 7 and 8. I'm glad he didn't end Romans with chapter 7 because we need chapter 8 to give us some hope. But in chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, he said that he talked about the law. This is the law of Moses, the, the law that God gave Moses. And he said this, we know that the law, you could put of Moses in there, is spiritual. But I am carnal, sold under sin. This is the apostle Paul talking. He is carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. Have you ever done something and thought, why did I do that? My mother used to say to me occasionally when I would do something really stupid, what were you thinking? Well, obviously I wasn't thinking when I did something dumb. And so he said, for what I do, I don't understand. What I want to do, that I do not practice. And what I hate, I do. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you can identify with this. But I could have to raise both of my hands and maybe one of my feet to identify with this because we all are like this, aren't we? We want to do the right thing. We make up our mind, I'm going to do the right thing. And then something happens and emotion comes in and maybe anger comes in and frustration because maybe there's somebody that you have a little trouble with and you think, I'm going to get along with that person. I have to get along with that person. I work with that person. I'm married to that person. I have to get along with that person. Not you, Art. I'm not talking about you, honey. <laughs> But you, you really try. You know, you really try. You think you're going to do something good, and then they do what they've always done. And before you know it, you've just blurted out something hateful. Oh, why did I do that? Why did I raise my voice? Why did I get mad on the freeway? Why did I do that? I didn't want to do that. Why did I do that? Well, we're going to find out why. One of the reasons Paul said that he was carnal. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Carnal. What does it mean to be carnal? I looked it up in the dictionary, 
And it says that carnal things, when, when it uses the word carnal, it relates to things or needs of the physical body rather than the spiritual body. So it, natural things rather than spiritual things, as in the desire for food, as in sexual gratification, or material possessions. So three areas. If you're dieting, you know, and I diet all the time, so I know that it's an amazing thing. All I have to do is say I need to lose some weight and I will desire things I should not have. That never happens to you. Do you know what I find myself doing when I go on a diet? Reading cookbooks. That is really not smart. No, but we do that, don't we? We do that. We all do that. And, and, you know, the same thing with possessions. We can get focused on, I need a new car. I just have to have a new car. And before you know it, every car you pass, you want to have that car. Yeah? Or maybe a new dress or, in my case, a new pair of shoes. You know, we just, we're, we're carnal by nature. Thank God we have a new nature. We don't have to live with that old nature. We can subdue that old nature and make wise choices. I am so glad that Paul did not end the book of Romans with chapter 7 because he ends that chapter like this. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Well, I'm so glad that that wasn't the end of it. Then he wrote Romans chapter 8, and it starts like this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now listen to what he says about those that are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh or the carnal desires, but according to the spirit. For the law, now I want to stop here just for a minute and tell you that in this uh, verses 1 through 4, there are three laws mentioned. And it's very important that you understand these three laws because these three laws control the universe and especially our earth. So listen to what he says. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So people who are in Christ Jesus should be who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's the first two laws. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It means that when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he brings his life into your physical body. The Bible says we are born again by the ever-living seed of the Son of God. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. Before you're born again, we'll talk about this in just a few minutes, but before you're born again, your spirit is dead because of trespasses and sins. Everybody, who, everybody in the world who doesn't know Jesus, their spirit is dead. So they have no choice but to live from their thinking and their emotion. Because they don't have the Spirit of God to help them. But you do. So we need to learn to live from the Spirit. It, notice the line before those two laws. Who do not walk according to the flesh or the natural man, but according to the Spirit. So the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the law that dominates the whole world without Christ Jesus. The world without Christ Jesus is dominated and controlled. By the law of sin and death. 
Sin brings death. You may not drop over dead when you sin, but death, death begins to work in your situations, in your life, in your relationships when you continue down that road of sin. So we need to walk in the spirit of life and not under the law of sin and death. We don't have to live under that law. We live on the earth, but we don't have to live under that law anymore. There's a better way. For what the law, now let me stop. I told you there were three laws. This third law is the law of Moses. It's the law that was given to Moses on the mountain for Israel. We get our Ten Commandments from the law of Moses. That's certainly not all of the law of Moses. The law of Moses is a very long, complex law. And that's what Israel had to live under. But now look, look what he said. For what the law of Moses could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Why was the law of Moses weak through the flesh? We're talking about making good choices, and I want, to, I want you to really understand this. I think it'll help you grow spiritually if you can understand this. The law of Moses was weak through the flesh because men were not born again. They didn't have Christ inside them. We have an advantage that they didn't have. Jesus has come. Jesus has died. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Jesus has ascended up on high. He has led captivity captive. He has given us eternal life. He has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. So we have a life force in us that those people didn't have. They were trying to do it in their natural man, and they were not very successful. What the law of Moses could not do, because it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And on account of sin, now listen to this, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law of Moses might be fulfilled in those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He said that twice. He said that at the beginning of that passage, and he said it at the end. So in order to make good, right successful choices, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. Say that, walk in the Spirit. Some uh, translations interchange the word carnal for flesh. They don't walk in the flesh, they walk in the carnal. That's the natural man. Now, I want to I dwell on that just a little bit further. If you jump on down in Romans chapter 8, if you happen to have a Bible or your phone, you want to scroll down to verse 6, it says this, for to be carnally or naturally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you can train your mind, if you can submit your mind to the Spirit of God, if you can let God begin to lead you and, and you can submit that mind and emotion to God, you can live a life of, of fullness of life and of peace. Wouldn't that be great? To just have peace all the time, never be upset, never get stressed. I think that would be great. And we can have that. That same verse, Romans 8, 6 in the NIV says, to set your mind. If you set your mind on the flesh, on the desires of the flesh, it will result in death. But if you set your mind on the spirit, it will result in life and peace. The challenge is to learn to be spiritually minded. Now, I want to go to another. I told you I was going to give you a lot of scripture tonight because I want you to really get this down in you so you can make wise choices. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, there's a really interesting passage that talks to us about a war that's going on inside of us. This is what it says. 
I say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. This is from the Amplified Bible that expands it so you can understand it a little better. Uh, responsive and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of your flesh, your human nature without God. Now listen, he's going to give you, an, he's going to help you understand this here. For the desires of your flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, the godless human nature. These are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but you're prevented from doing what you desire to do. You know, that's going back to Romans chapter 7, 14 and 15, where Paul said, the thing I hate, I do. The thing I want to do, I just don't do it. What is wrong with me? Well, he hadn't learned to walk in the Spirit yet. But if you are guided or led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, so many people, and myself included, I used to think if I could just get my old nature under control, I can walk in the Spirit. If I could just control this urge that I have to sin, I can walk in the Spirit. That is not what that Scripture says. No, the Scripture says if you will walk in the Spirit... If you will practice walking in the Spirit, you will automatically not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You will automatically do what pleases God because the Holy Spirit is God and He lives inside you. There's a really great scripture in 1 John, I believe it's chapter 3. I have it scribbled down, but it's not in my, it's not in my notes, Carrie, so you don't have it. 1 John 3, 9 says, He that is born of God does not commit sin. For God's seed remains in him. That's the Holy Spirit. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't mean you'll never commit a sin. Because the very same writer, John, the, just the chapter before that in, the, in uh, 1 John chapter 1, he said, if you say you have no sin, you're lying. So either he had a real problem or, or he meant something besides you'll never sin. What that scripture is saying, he that is born of God doth not sin, does not, one translation said, does not practice sin, for God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin. Well, you know what that means? It means you're never going to get away with sin again. It's, the fun is over, folks. Before you were born again, you could sin all you wanted to and enjoyed it, never thought about it. But once you receive Jesus as your Savior, you know this is true. Once you receive Jesus as your Savior and you begin to walk with the Lord, now when you make a mistake, now when you do something wrong, you know you did something wrong. Is that right? And does the Holy Spirit give you any rest until you repent? No, He harasses you until you repent. I just thank Him for doing it. But He does because that's our new spirit. Now the key is to, to begin to walk with that knowledge to begin to become intimate with the Holy Spirit and with God so that we don't make the mistakes we were making so that before we make the mistake we hear his voice see now that's the key before you I'm not saying you'll never be presented with an opportunity to sin I can promise you daily you are presented with an opportunity to sin and I'm not telling you you'll never sin because we all sin occasionally thank God we don't have to get saved again every time we sin aren't you glad you know, there are people that think you have to get saved again every time you sin. 
Thank goodness that we didn't get saved because we stopped sinning. We stopped sinning because we got saved. Because the Holy Spirit began to lead us. And, you know, this scripture that we just read about your spirit and your flesh almost makes it sound like, like we're schizophrenic or have a dual personality disorder. Because we have these two natures in us. But we do. We all have two natures in us. We have our old nature, which wants to sin. And we have the nature of God, who wants to do the right thing. The question is, who are we going to listen to? If you listen to your old nature and you give in to every whim of your old nature and you don't learn to do a little spiritual warfare, then you're going to never make the good decisions and choices that will result in life and peace. But that's what I want for you. We already talked about this uh, prior to your salvation. You were dead, so you had no choice but to live from your mind and your emotion. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says that you who he has made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Look what he says. I like this verse. It really gives you some insight to how people without the Lord live. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, every person in this building, once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, what we want what our flesh is demanding, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and we were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Now, that's our past. Say, that's my past. That's not your present, and I, hope, and I know it's not your, your future. But when we were born again, we got a new life force, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we have a choice. Now we can listen to the Holy Spirit or we can listen to our old nature. Romans 12, 2 gives us insight into that. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. That word transformed, we get our word metamorphosis from that, which is what happens to a caterpillar when it turns into a butterfly. It means to be changed from the inside out. And he says, don't let the world press you into its image. Don't let the world pull you into sin. Don't do that. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed from the inside out. By the new, uh, the living Bible says, by changing the way you think. The King James says, into a new person. Well, there it is. I have it in the new living. That's what he has up there. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So we got to change the way we think. We have to learn to make wise choices. So I want to, in the last few minutes that we have together, I want to give you five things that you can do that will help you always make wise choices. Here's the first one. You need to understand your identity in Christ Jesus. You need to know who you are. You need to know that. You need to know that you are a redeemed child of God. I've heard people say, I used to hear it more than I do now, but years ago, it was real common to hear people say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Anybody ever heard that? There's not one person in this room is a sinner saved by grace. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not a sinner. In fact, there's not one book in the New Testament that's addressed to, now unto the sinner saved by grace. <laughs> unto the sinner saved by grace in Ephesus. Unto the, no. It, every one of those books is addressed to who? Now, under the saints. 
in Ephesus. Now, under the saints in Thessalonica. Now, under the saints, uh, it's written to the saints because you need to understand when you receive Jesus, you stop being a sinner. You used to be a sinner, but you got saved by grace, and now you're a saint. Say, I'm a saint. I'm a redeemed one. You are born of the Spirit of God, and you have the Holy Spirit inside you to guide you. Say, I'm born of God. I have the Holy Spirit. He guides me. And listen, God has a plan for your life. He, he has a perfect plan for your life. And he wants to guide you into that perfect plan, a plan of peace, a plan of prosperity, where he can fulfill every, every holy desire in your life. Notice I didn't just say every desire. Because you may have been lusting, and I don't want you to get those desires. We pray this every time we pray at the end of our service, 2 Corinthians 3.17, New King James. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And there's one translation that says, uh, if any man be in, a, a new, in Christ, he is a, a totally new species of being. We're new. We're, we're, we're really a little alien because we have the Spirit of God in us. We're different from other people because we have the Spirit of God in us. That doesn't mean we feel better than anybody else, but it means we want everybody to have the Spirit of God in them. That's our assignment, to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. I have a challenge for you. I challenge you to this week... Read the Bible, read your 365, read whatever Bible plan you're reading, but read it, especially the New Testament, with a journal or a notebook. And as you read it, I want you to look for every time you read a scripture that gives you insight into your identity. And you'll find them and write it down. And then the next time you feel like a weak worm of the dust, read what the Bible says about you. Read what God says about you. It'll help you. So the first thing you got to know who you are. The second thing, we're, gonna, we're talking about how to make wise choices. Understand we have an enemy. We have an enemy. It would be nice if we didn't have an enemy, but we have an enemy. Satan is our enemy. He wants to take us captive. And he takes us captive through wrong thinking and wrong speaking and wrong choices. That's how he gets us captive. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, it says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The word stronghold means a fortified prison. When you're in a spiritual stronghold, you're in a prison locked in by deception. You've been deceived. You've been pulled into deception. You know, there's nobody that has ever been addicted to drugs that woke up one day and said, I think I'll get addicted to drugs today. There's not one. There's not one married man or woman who ever woke up and said, I think I'm going to find somebody to commit adultery with today. No, no, those, you, no, that doesn't happen. The enemy, little by little, begins to deceive you and lie to you. And you, you, don't, have to, you don't know how to, to come against those lies. And before you know it, oh, you're in a fortress of deception. The enemy tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you're actually in a stronghold. So understand you have an enemy, 
but also understand that we have victory. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And you don't have to be overcome. Uh, here's the third thing. Pay attention to your thoughts and your emotions and take hold of those that would lead you to poor choices, pull them down, and replace them with thoughts from the Word of God. Now, let's go back to Corinthians 10 and read the next verse. So there is this stronghold that you can get into, but here's how to avoid it. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive and uh, every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I've been reading this little book called Who Turned Off My Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she's, uh, she, she is a, a scientist and a physician who studies the brain. And she says this about your thinking. She's a spiritual Christian. She said, when you think a thought, that thought stays in the front part of your brain for from 24 to 48 hours, swirling around. And you, during that time, any time during that time, you can grab that thought and make the decision, I'm not thinking about this anymore, and pull it down, and that thought will leave your mind. Now, that, I, the Bible didn't say that. I didn't say that. A scientist said that. But it lines up with this very scripture. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, grab it and pull it down and replace it with the Word of God. Don't let the enemy have a stronghold in your life. That's the third one. Here's the fourth one. This is really important. Don't concentrate on your weakness. The enemy will try to cause you to concentrate on your weakness. Concentrate on what the Word of God says about you. Concentrate on what the Bible says about you. Did you know you empower what you focus on? And so if you focus on your weakness... Oh, I've just got to get over this, so I've just got to quit doing this so I can be strong. You're focusing on your weakness. Find a scripture that says, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Begin to concentrate on the word and turn your attention away from that weakness, and you will find strength coming in that area of your life. Philippians 4.13, Amplified. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything. I'm equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. King James says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a pretty expanded version of that, isn't it? Galatians 5.16 says um, that if, if I can control, uh, well, we talked about that in a minute ago, that we say in Galatians 5.15, it says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the law of the flesh. But we try to turn that around. That's what focusing on your weakness does. It's turning it around. It's saying, i got to overcome this weakness so I can be strong. But that's not what you do. You concentrate on the Holy Spirit. You concentrate on the Word. You concentrate on the Lord. You begin to get that in your mouth, and that's the last one. Number five, put the Word of God in your mouth. It's not enough to have it in your mind. You've got to get it in your mouth. What we think about becomes what we talk about. Think about that. What we think about becomes what we talk about. So put the word of God in your mouth. God's promises in your mind and your mouth rather than fear and unbelief. Proverbs 18, 21 says life and death. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death are in the power of your tongue. And you will eat the fruit of what you say. 
You will create a world in which you live with the words that you speak. Your words will influence you to make choices, either good or bad. So get the word of God in your mouth. Meditate on the word of God. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. So if you feel weak, don't say, oh, I feel so weak. I just don't know if I can make it to the back of the church. No, let the weak say, I'm strong. The Lord is healing me. The Lord is strengthening me. He's energizing me with all might and power in my inner man. Get the word of God inside you. These steps will help you change your thoughts and escape from those strongholds of deception where Satan has held you captive. You will begin to speak the word, meditate on the word. I want to end with one more verse. Joshua 1.8 in the New King James Version. It says this. Now let me give you a little background before I read this to you. Joshua and Caleb were the only two guys that went into the promised land with the other ten spies to spy out the land. They were the only two that brought back a good report. The Bible says of them they had a different spirit than those other guys. They had a different confession than those other guys. And they had a different vision than those other guys. And so Joshua became Moses' second in command. And all through those 40 years they wandered in the desert, Joshua was right next to Moses. He was listening to Moses as Moses prayed. He was learning how to get close to God. So, Mo so Moses died. And in Joshua 1, it says, after Moses died, then the Lord spoke to Joshua. And he said, Joshua, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong because you're going to have to lead these people. Now, if I'd been Joshua and I'd remembered all that I'd been through with these people, I may not have been too excited to lead them. But Joshua loved the Lord. And then the, law, the Lord gave him the secret a secret of prosperity and power. Listen to what he says in 1.8. This book of the law, what's he talking about? The law of Moses. Now, we don't have the law of Moses. We have the whole Bible now. So you could say the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. But you shall meditate on it day and night. What does it mean to meditate on it? It means roll it over and over and over and over. Get a verse. Give yourself a verse a week, just a little verse. Maybe a verse out of something we studied tonight. And just every morning, read that verse. At lunch, read that verse. At night, when you go to bed, read that verse. That's how you meditate on a verse. And let me tell you something. By the end of the week, you won't have to look at that verse to quote that verse. That verse will have become a part of you. Let the, don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate on it day and, light, day and night. Now, why do you meditate on it? That you may observe to do according to what's written in it. You're never going to know what God wants you to do if you never open the instruction book. The Bible is our, is our book of instructions of how to live to please God and to have a successful life and make wise choices. So if you meditate on the word, you'll know what's written in it and you'll know how to obey it. And then, look at this verse, you will make your way prosperous. God won't even have to make your way prosperous. You'll make your own way prosperous and then you will have good success. Did that bless you? Father, I thank you that we are going to make wise choices. I ask you, Lord, to remind us to get in the Word, to remind us who we are in Christ Jesus, to, to uh, 
alert us when we're speaking wrong words and having wrong emotions and cause us to just stop, pull down those things, and let the Holy Spirit begin to guide us into wisdom and wise choices and peace and prosperity. Thank you for doing it, my Father. We love you. We're so grateful that we're your children. And I pray now that you'll move through this room, and if there's one person here that doesn't know you, this will be the night that they receive life in their spirit from you, Father, in Jesus' name. And keep your heads bowed. Are you in this place tonight? And you would say, Billy, I have never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm sitting here with a dead spirit, but I don't want to leave here with a dead spirit. I want to leave here with the power of the Lord Jesus in my life. I'd like for you to pray for me. If that's you, just slip your hand in the air, and I'll pray for you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Any other hands? I see your hands. Now, you can put your hands down. Now, let me ask you this. You say, I know I'm born again, but I am not where I should be with the Lord, and I need to rededicate myself tonight to the Lord, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Anybody like that in the room? Just raise your hands all over the room if that's you. I see your hands. Okay, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray together so you won't feel alone. And we're going to pray this prayer. And as we pray this prayer, life is going to come to your spirit. The very life of God is going to come in your spirit. And you're going to have a new life force guiding you as you walk out of here. Pray after me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. And I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. As the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a, a, a relationship with you. I'm a new creation. This is the part I like. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus because I've said yes to you. And Father, I ask you now to lead us and guide us by your spirit as we leave here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.